Who is it? Hey guys, the Strong Boys 19 here, and you are listening to Claim the Throne Bloodcast. Yeah! You're listening to the Claim the Throne Bloodcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2016. Keep the change, you filthy animal. I'm already recording, Ash. I mean, hello and welcome to the Claim the Throne Bloodcast. <laughs> Fucking episode 59 or wherever we're at, out of control. I'm on wine, Ash is on hop hogs. How are you, Ash? Pretty good, man. I've got some hop hogs next to me. That's what I've got I just my friend said. in front of me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Your microphone? Feeling, feeling good. Or me? Yeah, yeah. My Shure SM7B microphone. <laughs> good shit. Um, <clears throat> interesting story about the Shure SM7B. Go. Is our, our friend Sam who did sound for us and has been a podcast guest referred to previous episode hashtag marketing <laughs> uh he did sound for us a couple of weeks ago and i drove him to the gig and he was talking about how he sold all these studio mics to focus on live sound yeah and he said i said oh do you still have an sm7b because i thought oh maybe i'll get one another one or get one for you for this podcast and he goes he goes no no, no i sold it for 450 and i'm like what 450 bucks i bought this brand new for 450 and he's had his for like ages but um yeah apparently i just got it on a hell steal uh, maybe i got a good us dollar at the time or something but yeah because i looked them up and man you cannot buy one new for 450 from many places hey yeah right so yeah and actually chris from hen house he was said he was looking for one this is probably probably six to eight months ago and he said the same thing um, he goes, yeah, someone's offered me one for 400, 450. And I was like, man, that seems like a lot. But yeah, what the fuck do I know? So Bargains, hey? Why have they never taken off popularity-wise compared to the 58 or the 57? That would be a very, very non-researched question, Cabba. Yeah. Because, for instance, Michael Jackson, um, Corpse Grinder, fucking you name it, like the, a whole host of people. Tina um, Arena? Nah, I bet you she used like a U forty seven or something like that. Yeah. But Frank yeah, Costanza. it's like, yeah, it's not really something you'd see on stage mm. um, because it's a large diaphragm condenser. You, you do see it, but um, yeah, the fifty seven and fifty eight are more live mics and typically instrument mics. Uh, whereas, yeah, this is more of a think. Uh, it's a broadcasting mic essentially, mm. but um, yeah, it's used in the studio a lot and like. Um, so Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac, her go-to mic is like a similar style of microphone made by a different company to this. So some people like it. It's the dynamic thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, other other singers prefer like a condenser mic like the Rode NT1, which we bought for absolutely fuck all, 270 bucks. And yeah, ended up tracking all the clean vocals on our album with. So yeah. Di- sure, SM7 for the screams, um, NT1 for the clean vocals. Two pretty versatile microphones as a pair for, you know, fuck, I think. So less less than a grand for two awesome mics. Probably all we ever need technically to record an album with the way we did it. Yeah. Tangent over. Do you ever buy anything off Amazon, like music gear-wise? I used to a lot back in the early internet days. Yep. Um, yeah, man, I used to buy fucking everything off Amazon. 
uh, until I think the last major thing I bought off there was actually the last major thing I bought off there was the complete uh, Looney Tunes Golden Collection, <laughs> which cost me a few hundred bucks. But yeah, I bought a ten-part VHS series um, on Stalin, and then the guy tried to rip me off like four hundred bucks. And I couldn't, it's called Blood Upon the Snow, like it's an awesome documentary series. And I couldn't find it anywhere. And now you can probably get it on fucking Netflix for God's sake. But yeah, he ripped me off and I was like, man, people rip you off on Amazon too. Because I think that's why I used to like it. But at the end of the day, they're just, they're just uh, vendors on a selling site. Um, It's just pitched differently to eBay. But yeah, man, I still buy books. Um... You know, 101 Greatest Magic Tricks, uh, <laughs> uh, Tolstoy, War and Peace. Brain Yo, Mega Yo Yo. Yeah. Is that where you got that? No, it's not. But um, I think they do sell yo yo strings. But if yeah. anyone wants to buy any um, crazy stuff like we've been talking about, especially with Christmas coming up, gift cards or whatever, head to www.claimthethrone.com slash store and uh, scroll to the very bottom. And if you click on the banner to Amazon, we'll get a little cut. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for that. Classic. <laughs> Hashtag marketing, marketing, marketing. Anyway, Interesting. I'll start looking whatever. up Amazon prices. I saw that. I, I would the, be interested. Um, yeah, that aside, that was not actually why I asked, but um, I am curious as to where these days, where is the cheapest place to buy shit like this? Like, I'm always looking for Kempers and stuff just to see, you know, should I go to eBay or Amazon or direct to like Musicians Friend or whatever, any of those mm. those um, online stores. Well, I can tell you because I've bought maybe 10 grand's worth of music gear in the last 12 months. Yeah. Where do you normally but, go? What's your go-to? Okay, so really roughly, like uh, vintage pedals and amps I've bought, eBay. Yeah. Or if I get lucky, Gumtree. Mm. But I usually, go, I usually go in this order. It's like I'll check eBay first to get a bit of a ballpark of what a new item costs. Or see what a vintage item might be going for. Then I'll look on Gumtree, see if I can get lucky. Um, then, yeah, I'll make that decision. eBay's usually first. Then, let's say in the road NT1, Cosmic stocks them for about the same money as eBay. I'd rather walk into that shop and buy it yeah. and walk away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the... And, yeah, that's so rare these days, man. So, yeah, pretty much... Pretty much Gumtree, eBay, and then I will look on Amazon if it's something I can't find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the case of maybe a guitar I bought recently, I got it off an actual vendor's website. But I've man, I've been ripped off before, just before Forged in Flame. Oh no, just after Forged in Flame came out, I got ripped off a Swell 2.8, 2.8, 2,800 dollars um, on a new interface buying off a fake online store which was mm. looks totally legit they had an ebay presence they had everything and um yeah he the dude skipped town and turns out he had like a massive massive string of people chasing him up i think it was like a a scheme he had where he'd sell to australian customers for bugger all not bugger all but like let's say You'd save 20% on any price you could find anywhere else. And then what he'd do is he'd buy it from the US at a cheap price, get it in. And so maybe it would take him six months, but he'd usually go through with it. Um, But he'd wait until he got a serious bargain 
buy it and you'd, it'd just rock up in the mail weeks after he stopped communicating with you. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it all got too much and he buggered off. So I've been pretty <laughs> wary about websites, you know, unless you know, pro pro tip guys, Google's, Google Maps, a storefront. So the last guitar I bought, I bought it from a store in Adelaide and it was a closing down sale. So I, I street viewed it and I was like, okay, that is the shop. That's where they say they are. That's a landline to that phone. Rang them up over the phone first and then did my shit on the net. So, Awesome. Tour tip number one. <sighs> yeah, man. Because, yeah, you can't be losing $2,800 anymore. No. And you do get a bit comfortable online, obviously, especially with eBay when you're just smashing out order after order. And, you know, one in 10 might be fucked. And <coughs> if it happens to be $2,800, that is not good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but the first eBay experience I had, I bought um, <clears throat> a Gangstar uh, full clip album on vinyl. Or maybe it was a what single. Maybe it was Rep Grows Bigger. Uh, it's hip hop. And um, it was the day before I turned 18. I bought that. And yeah, the guy never sent it. And I was like, motherfucker. And yeah, every every purchase after that. I've had a few perlers since then but most of them have been pretty smooth Mm. um yeah criminal um sick yeah well i've just uh spent the last hour watching uh metallica video clips for every song off the new album did you know they were doing that they all came out today in a jam room or something no like that well they've already so i think the new album comes out tomorrow Today it's Thursday, um, mm. and so they've had two new music videos out. I don't know, a few weeks ago or longer, and um, and today they sort of rolled out like ten or so other video clips across different websites featuring the clip in different countries. So there was one, I think, it was I don't know, Triple M, Sydney or something, and then one in Japan, one in Spain. One, uh, Germany, a few different American sites. So every song on the album has a music video. Are they the first band ever to do that? I'm going to go with and yes. Why? <clears throat> Cabba, if if if, if we, I had two thousand eight hundred dollars that you didn't lose <laughs> of mine off eBay, we would do that too, I guess. Man, even if you were a band and on the same day you released. Jam room footage, studio montage footage, live montage footage, and a real film clip. So four clips, that's pretty easy ideas to pull off as a local band. Mm. And you did that, whether or not it's to four websites, if you just dropped them all, even if it was on one on your YouTube, one on your Facebook, one on your Instagram, if that's possible, and um, one on fucking God knows where, your own website, that would be a pretty like notable thing, but... Whole album. I suppose when you've got, you know, millions of dollars, you can do shit like that pretty it's easily. Crazy. I've just um just plugged Metallica into YouTube. The first six videos showing up are all new ones that have came out today. Like two hours ago, four hours ago, six hours ago, a week ago. What an idea. That's awesome. So one that's oh, come out two hours ago, 260,000 views. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know. That's amazing. Oh, oh yeah. And then... The one from one month ago, which is Moth into the Flame, which is 
the best song that they've put out so far off the new album. 12 million views. Jesus Christ. Isn't it funny that um, that those guys... I've heard a lot of people saying that the new Metallica is like Russell and people's jimmies because it sounds like 80s Metallica. And, yeah. What do you, what do you reckon, does it? Uh, I don't know about 80s Metallica, but it definitely doesn't sound like the last couple albums Metallica, I guess, which is what mm. gets people's jimmies rustled. Um, mm. I mean, I'm not the biggest Metallica fan on earth, but I definitely like them, you know, like I, I liked all the classic albums as much as the next mm. man, but um, I my jimmies were moderately rustled by um, the second one that came out. The, the, the first two video clips were both pretty promising, so I was excited, but then today... I've listened to like 75 new music videos that came out today by Metallica and mm-hmm. whilst they sound pretty decent, mostly like the Black Album style, to be honest, I would think, they yep. all sound exactly the same. I don't know if they're the same tempo or just that same like Lars drum beat and they yeah. just sound identical. That Yeah, decent, like they don't sound too lame or anything like they have recently, but just the same as every other video mm. clip that came out today. So, don't know. But we'll see what happens. Mm. Um, but I think Man, people overall, like people consistency. Yeah. 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 So, that um, is a left anyway, field one. Interesting. Something more interesting, whilst I was watching all those videos, I was making homemade tortillas for the first time ever. Have you ever done that? Ooh. No. I'm Pretty easy, man. Just like flour and salt and corn flour and baking powder and roll the fuck out of them and put them in a pan. Pretty good. Mm. Um, So for burritos? Yeah, burritos or I think we're going to chuck some falafels in them. Um, Oh, yeah. But pretty pretty fucking easy. And speaking of flour, I've also started using a different um, pizza recipe recently as well. (laughs) So if anyone's... um, wants the latest cab as easy as piss pizza dough recipe, just get like four cups of flour, plain flour, maybe a bit of self-raising if you're feeling ambitious, like two teaspoons of salt, a teaspoon of caster sugar, bit of butter slightly melted in the um, in the microwave. Mix that in with the flour. Um, stir in a packet of yeast and uh, and the sugar there. And then maybe like... Two or three cups of warm water, enough just to form a soft, slightly sticky dough. Uh, knead the shit out of it and uh, and roll it out. That'll make one pizza. Put it in a pretty big tray. Holes on the bottom of the tray, ideally. And um, Why aeration? I don't know. It just cooks a bit crisper on the bottom. Yeah, okay. Um, rather than sense. being soft or crappy or falling apart when it after it's cooked. Just crisps up mm. the bottom. Uh, lots of wicked toppings, like heaps of olives mostly, shitloads of cheese mm. and herbs. Olives, and, uh, your favourite food? I would say so, yeah. Olives and probably yeah. hot chips. Mm. Um, yeah. N- yeah, nice. Black or green olives, both good. Mixture, ideally. Yeah, okay. Mediterranean mix from the uh, deli section is probably good. Huh. Yeah, anyway, fucking back to music. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to continue the food topic we are DIYers of course and yeah um, tell us about DIY pierogi <clears throat> DIY pierogi that's a Polish dish um, it's it, see I connect with you on the level of pierogi to gnocchi mm-hmm. it's very similar yeah it is similar. basically 
if you know what Noki is, that's a pretty simple place to start. It's um, the start of making spaghetti, except you add the flour, egg, etc. Depends on how you make it with potato into a little thing, boil it, and then fry them. Pierogi is similar. You start the same way, but you knead it into a dough. So we're talking, I would say, a cup of flour. Um, this is family secret time now. Slight bit of milk, <laughs> um, some egg, but not all of a whole egg. And I'm not fussy whether you use a bit of yolk and a bit of white or one or the other. It's up to you. And then you make a... Um, you like pour your shit onto the table, your flour, you separate it into a little well and you start adding water and kneading it through. And yep, then, um, yeah, you keep I'm going and you just fucking... Yeah, you keep kneading it and kneading it for ages until it's like doesn't stick to your hands anymore and it's this really awesome dough. And um, yeah, then you then you roll it out and you, you cut circles using um, a medium-sized beetroot tin or something similar... Um, that size. Um, meanwhile, you've already sautéed some onions, bit of garlic, and uh, some potatoes. You mash all that shit together. Throw in, I like a bit of Danish feta cheese or Tasmanian feta because <laughs> it's creamy. A um, little bit of little bit of sharp parmesan and some Colby. That's my new hot tip for you. Really, little Colby. bits of that. Bit of bit of salt and pepper. Yep, get that shit all mixed up. And then spoon like a teaspoon into that, into the, sorry, onto the circular things. Close them up, press the edges down with a fork, drop them in to boiling water with plenty of salt in it until they rise to the top and then take them out, let them drain and then fry them up after. So that was a long-winded way. You could just Google search it, but it's my family fucking recipe. So yeah, man, that's how you do it. And it'll cost you all of 12 bucks. Yeah. Best so I mean, like the um the SM seven B compared to the fifty seven fifty eights, why has why did Gnocchi take off and Proggy didn't? Funny you should mention that uh, mention that, my friend Lee Patterson. Um you may know him as Arigato. Hmm. He is living in Melbourne, right? Sent me a picture the other day of like this fucking Polish street festival or something. And he sent me a picture of the line for pierogi and it was off the charts. And he said, man, really? if you just came over here and made pierogi, you'd make a million bucks. Obviously, exaggeration, but man, I'll find a picture of this line. It was fucking massive, hey? <laughs> he like the, said the business Nazi. idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he got a he got a widescreen shot of the line to get fucking pierogies. Can you see that shit? Uh, I can. Let's put it in the show notes. That'll be the um, yep. the, the pitch picture for this episode. The anyway, off the charts. And near Anwar Risk's house on... Um, oh, yeah? Near High Chapel Street? Street in Chapel uh, Street. Yeah, Chapel and High. That's probably the intersection. There's a place for anyone in Melbourne Markets. called... Yep, yep. Um, it's called... What is it called? Vodka... Borscht and Tears or something like that. Whoa. And it's a Polish restaurant and man, you get some serious... Oh, if I've got a photo of the food from there, I'll I'll put that in the show notes. It's just got like every Polish vodka you can think of and you can buy a pierogi and 
um, you know, pastrami and shit and sauerkraut and all, all the all the good stuff. And yeah, just have like nail shots of vodka. So yeah, pretty good. Go there. Well, you are truly testing my trouser out. Uh, yeah we um chat music what's the latest with with this band called claim the throne have we even Um, discussed since the mastering took place i don't believe so but the album is mastered no no i I mentioned that i mean we didn't do it but our mate al from begirk who gets a shout out on every episode did (laughs) yeah 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 um i do believe we just yeah definitely i think we did mention this on the last one I'm not oh, yeah. sure if we went into detail, but essentially I did a mix. The mix was pretty good for a home job. Um, and we were all pretty happy with how it was all balanced. But definitely when you listen to song to song, there was slightly different levels volume-wise. And because of the way the tracks were composed, they were a little bit um, just just inconsistent. They were their own thing. And so sending them off to Al, he first and foremost made it louder, like up to... A decent standard mm-hmm. but yeah he did things like um clean up the low end which is stuff i literally can't hear because i'm mixing in the corner of a room and um yeah made them it definitely made it sound like the same album like it already did but it just there's no surprises like nothing in the mix stuff does still jump out at you but after the master it's all nice and it feels flat and it feels like everything's still exciting but it's restrained Yep. And it's also very clear. So, yeah, man, I think it's... He did a fucking awesome job and his rates are so good that I would encourage any person to get their stuff mastered with him. And and the drums on our album, pity we can't just like show you right now, some of the best drum sounds I've ever been a part of. And he was the one, you know, that put all the mics up and set the EQs and sat in the control room and did all this, the engineering while I just played. And um, yeah, that was a, that's a huge basis of the album. Like, what do you think of the drum sound compared to the last few albums? Oh, amazing. I mean, I, I don't have the best ear for that stuff, but I can still tell that they, I don't know, they they sound super real mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to, I don't know, a, a lot of extreme metal that you listen to, it might, you, you know that it's real, but it still sort of sounds slightly programmed or edited or whatever, whereas... Uh, I mean, even on Forged in Flame, they sounded good, but they did, I don't know, there was this certain thing about them where if people weren't familiar with it, they might go, were they programmed or that? But there's no doubting it this time around, they sound super good, cutting through nicely in all the right places, I think. And um, But still tight as shit and, um, you know, and heavy and the, the blasts are, are solid as... Um, Rolls are cutting through the 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 double kicks are cutting through. The, um, I actually yeah. reckon the double kicks aren't cutting through. Really, and that's yeah, that's look. What happened is that on Forged in Flame, I was like, I want this really organic drum sound, right? And what ended up happening is the recording to tape wasn't good for us. Um, it was too much pressure and stuff, and there was like way too many microphones and too much shit for me to get my head around to actually like mix properly and i gave up i gave up on them it was fucked and we re-recorded them ourselves kick so on triumph and beyond it was like a even split like well i'm assuming it was like half natural kick drum sound half 
trigger sound. So they cut through. On Fortune Flame, it was like 100% trigger sound, like no natural kick sound, which I thought was the right idea because that's what I hear in metal songs I like, right? Yeah. But then, then we recorded the album. It just seemed to be lacking something. So when you play like a standard 4-4 beat with a triggered kick, it just sounds like kind of weird because the sound and the timbre and the everything about the kick drum doesn't actually change. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a live kick drum, and this is why I don't think they cut through, is that when you play double kicks, you inevitably play softer. Even if you're a hard kick player, you still play softer than a single kick. Um, and what and what that serves to do is kind of get you slightly less attack and more bass build up. So that's why you use a trigger because then those things still cut through individually. It's not about cheating. It's about getting the shit to cut through. But um, yeah, on this one, I started mixing it and I I got to the double kick section and I was like, I put it, I did put a trigger on of my kit, a sample recorded at the session. And I was like, oh, that just sounds bizarre just coming in on the fast bits. So why don't I blend it over the whole song? And then I was like, oh, but then that sounds bizarre. And I got trapped in this weird world where I couldn't actually bring myself to use it. And I sent it to Al and said, what do you think about that? And he goes, yeah, the kicks are muddy in the fast bits, but um, what you do there, and he gave me a tip, like, you know, roll off the low end during the doubles and use, in this case, use multiband compression to like, boost the high end so the clickiness of the kick still comes through and I didn't exactly do it like that because I I don't think I could fully get that idea to work but um yeah when when you listen back to it it sort of gets a bit lost still partially because of the muddiness and partially because of the lack of clickiness but um it it just feels like the album as a whole with the drums has like a it's it's its own thing like a chorus that's slow sounds nice and full and then a fast bit still sounds like a drum kit i don't know man it just sounds like you're listening to a drummer in a room which is i can't i can't go back now it's really bizarre i i i could not go and start triggering kicks um in the studio anymore because i've done that on every single album i've ever done we've always used it because we've had shit mics or shit room or something so you rely on those sounds but i gotta tell you man i can't go back i can't go back so next time around how would we do it differently i guess if at all like can you still improve would you prefer maybe a couple extra days or something like that to really really nail it maybe maybe do what we did give yourself a few days to listen to them even and go back and redo any parts that you hate. Stuff like that, Uh, for example. Look, if we had more money, it would be cool to really give more time to each song. Um, The way we do it and the way all local bands do it, you know, you book as little time for drums as you possibly can Mm. because that's the bit where you hire the engineer, you hire the studio. um, And it's, it's hard. Like, it's really difficult to just play. How often do you practice for? Like, oh, an hour is pretty solid workout, you know? And then you play a gig, it's about the same. A rehearsal, maybe an hour, and then have a break and have another hour. But you don't play for eight hours in a row, especially not metal. 
So it's it would be nice to be able to have lots more breathers and stuff. But um, I don't think I'd necessarily change that. If I wanted to perform better, I'd just practice more. Um, but in terms of the sounds, it really was just amateur mixing where I couldn't get those things to cut through. It's not to do with the tracking at all. It's not to do with the mastering at all. Um, yeah, it was way more to do with just, just how I processed it during the mix. So, yeah, I really wouldn't change anything. I just, maybe during mixing, um, I'll, I'll use these current drum tracks as practice over the next year or so until we record again. And, um, yeah, like troubleshoot that problem and go, okay, how can I make that cut through like I want it to? Um, because make no mistake, people definitely bands um, program kick drums it's a really common thing especially if you're having trouble getting a kick drum sound but the real thing is that that a kick drum doesn't it, even though it's natural it doesn't actually sound like that because you've got to get rid of the bass a real kick drum you'd have all that bass but yeah you want to use the right amount of compression you want to turn the volume up in bits and down in other bits and stuff and just get it all more balanced and I don't know. I'm starting to ramble now, but yeah, <laughs> it's just mixing and just experience and shit like that. I reckon. Yeah. Are you still doing I don't know, research and reading and listening since that has happened? Not on recording at all. Oh. I've seen a few new um, things I'd like to purchase and instantly as like the day I was done with the mix, I was like, cool, I'm going to sell that, sell that, sell that, buy this, buy this, buy this. Um, but realistically, I'm not going to do anything of the sort until way down the track. And, um, yeah, I'm researching more getting back on the songwriting train and just getting my chops back up because I've been sitting in a chair for a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. How about you? Cool. You've been, what have you been doing since the album? Uh, practicing stuff, I guess. Not writing yet. A few ideas maybe here and there, but nothing too crazy. Um, learning scales trying to go back to mm. basics a bit get my chops up a bit um cool as well like because, what cover um just various pentatonic scales i guess uh and then and then working to metronomes and starting slow and trying to speed up i guess my personal issues in terms of guitaring are my speed and the clarity of hitting every single note probably um mm -hmm. And that's the main thing I'll be working on between now and the next album. Cool. Um, Love it. I guess, which is cool. Uh, but I guess, yeah, just... I think um, know, knowing your own own downfalls and your own strengths as well is, is super important. So being able to identify them and, I don't know, something that I've known that I've been not as good at for many, many years but have not picked up on it as much as I would like. I mean, before recording, practice super hardcore and mm -hmm. I think it probably did pay off to an extent on recording not as much as I would have liked probably but but yeah, you can definitely tell the difference I guess after even you know a month of practicing hardcore as opposed to practicing once a week you know man I was really impressed with how you were just you just seemed to nail everything and stuff that I just didn't think you'd pull off like first take you were just first taking it um, and then obviously the usual um, certain solos or certain things that you just know are challenging 
may have taken a little bit longer than the some of the other stuff, but not in a way where I was like, oh my God, is he ever going to get this part? Or, oh my God, let's let's finish for the day and let's or move on to something else. Let's go back to that. It was all very, like, it sort of happened very linearly. And um, yeah, man, I was impressed. I could tell that you'd, you'd worked really hard on it and it honestly made my life a breeze, like bugger all editing and stuff, which was great. So yeah. anyway, excited ne- to hear how Next time will be even better, I'd hope, if uh, all yeah, goes to awesome. plan. Um, and I mean, <clears throat> yeah, that aside, still a lot of time gets put aside for planning the release, you know? Been yeah, trying to trying to true. book a tour and um and get the word out to industry pros and and all that <laughs> sort of shit. So unfortunately, we still haven't um, announced any of the details or put out any songs for people to listen to and stuff because of our own personal goals and strategies behind it all, I guess. Um, but it's it's finished. The mastering's done. Like we were saying, the whole thing's done. Twelve tracks, an hour of music, sounding fucking good. I'm sure. You've heard me and Ash talk enough about that over the last few episodes of, of how uh, it sounds compared to the the previous stuff. But um, yeah, like we yeah. we we booked an entire album launch tour uh, throughout Australia for um, for January, which we've recently cancelled, <laughs> sadly, because um, we're just not ready to release the fucking thing yet. To be honest, like it's ready, like mm. we said, and we can rush it out, but. You know, we've done that in the past. Why bother? You know, like, let's just postpone it a few months and try and really shop it around um, overseas. I guess our major goals are to hit Europe and, and America a bit more. Um, and we're mm. probably realistically not able to do that in the short term if um, if we rush this n- another album out, you know, and, and keep following mm. the same process we've doing, been doing, which has been awesome for us in the past. I mean, definitely would not complain about the amount of things we've done considering um we've not had major label backing or anything like that um but at this point it's i don't know we've got a, a really awesome product so i think we just need to make the most of it and be strategic about the whole thing so um hmm. we'll still have a few gigs over the next few months probably only in perth however and um and we will get aussie tour uh yeah a few months later still before the it's sometime during the first half of next year anyway but man, yeah, that stuff it, takes time, you know, and then to have have the whole thing cancelled, it's pretty painful. And that's time that you should be probably spending practicing guitar. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I feel like I've just been given my life back. Yeah, and after like I can't even stress how much um, we did a rough like cost analysis using a member of the band versus like an actual engineer, and it would have we simply would not have been able to afford the same kind of um, hours by a professional, um, which is why I do it. Um, and But the flip side of that is that I sort of lose my life for a little while and it's, so it's go to work, come home, album, go to bed, st- not stressing, but just thinking about what I need to do. So now all of that shit's off my plate and suddenly it's like, okay, Cabba, so you've just been waiting for this thing to be done so then you can do your thing. Like, you, you know, the writing process and, and the tracking process is one thing. Then you get like a few months just tapping your fingers and planning. Then you get the product and you're like, okay, now it's my turn. And so my life is like cool again and it's fucking awesome. But yeah, it's funny to hear you say that 
I honestly didn't even consider that. <laughs> How rude is that? No, nah, not at all. But it is funny. It's like handover, you know? Like every band yeah. member does their own thing and once one thing's done, handball to the next cunt. <laughs> but I mean, we've been like applying for some um, some funding and stuff as well, um, which we yet to know whether that's successful or not, but all this stuff just takes so much time. And, you know, as much as I'm all for DIY and we promote that week after week, obviously... Um, you know, all, all these additional things that you start doing, your mastering, your booking of tours, your funding applications, your websites, your artwork, your video clips, all this stuff, that's taking away time from being on your instrument and improving and songwriting mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it just makes you sort of question whether, I don't know, whether you're doing it the right way or whether you should just be outsourcing all this shit and just focusing on your playing. I don't know. Do you... Do you like seriously consider that uh i don't know yes and no some things perhaps you know like if i spend an hour updating the website sometimes i'll go why did i just do that i should spend that Mm. hour playing guitar but at the same time when you're trying to save money and you know we've got you know now once the album comes out there's probably two years of solid touring maybe ahead of us if if we are lucky you want to save every cent you can for that yeah Um, and also, I mean, it's it's awesome to be able to develop all these additional skills. And as we've even said in the last episode, the amount of crazy stuff you learn outside of music by being in a band. And not outside of music, but I mean outside of your instrument even. You know, the, mm. the sort of skills you develop is just incredible. So, yeah, I don't know, pros and cons of all. But, mm. yeah, keep, keeps you thinking. Okay, let's go back. Something we don't talk about too much, we've touched on songwriting and in a very dry way okay so first thing you need to do is is have an idea what do you want out of the song like that fucking bullshit we used to talk about yeah um you mentioned you're doing scales and stuff that interests me quite a hell of a lot because um yeah like i've been learning that shit since i was a kid and I go away from it for a few years and come back to it and stuff and always i have a different perspective when I look at something and I'm curious to hear what you say. So what made you pick like the scales you're working on? Anything in particular? Why'd you uh, choose that approach? Not any particular scales, but I just chose scales for, um, well, m- more so scales that I haven't learned before or that I haven't played around with for many years because mm-hmm. as soon as you, I don't know, you, you just get in this zone of playing the same thing or your, your fingers just go the same direction all the time. So mainly mm-hmm. I'm trying to work on my speed, but yep. I don't, I don't want to do that by playing the same, um, the same way that I have been. I want my finger, I want to start thinking about what I'm playing more as opposed to mm-hmm. just winging it and letting my fingers go wherever they want and focusing only on my right hand I still want to mm-hmm. be thinking about why I'm moving to the next fret or why I'm moving to the next note um, mm. that sort of thing so I'm not aiming towards any particular scale to get any particular style or sound out of it at this point it's it's mostly around the speed but yeah also just thinking about what I'm playing I guess that how much question? pink how much pinky finger do you use on your left hand? So fretting hand for non-guitarists out there? All the time. So you use it heaps? Yeah. 
so obviously in power cords but um when you do shredding and stuff do yep. you are you using all four fingers evenly uh probably not evenly if there's any finger i don't use it's probably my third one interesting for some reason but i do still use it um but it's not like i use my pinky to make life uh or to to cheat by you know some people will play a power chord and instead of using their third finger they'll use their pinky mm-hmm. to play that the second note in the in the power chord i don't do that i use the pinky to stretch further if that makes sense so you know you try, think i'll be trying know, to reach towards like a you know seven frets away whereas i probably could be doing tapping or something instead so hold, hold on hold on hold on so a power chord in its most basic form is the mm. root note and the fifth right so it's like it looks like an L shape, I guess. Would you call it mm. an L shape? Sure. So if you're fifth fr- fifth fret on the E string, on the A yeah. string, you'll be on the seventh, right? So yeah. when you put the... You're saying it's cheating to put on the D string a seventh as... Not a seventh, the seventh fret. So five, seven, seven, the octave to the root note. You're using your pinky is cheating or you're saying that it opens up more stuff for you because you're able... You use your third finger for both of those and you're able to stretch with your pinky it gives you the op- yeah it gives you the opportunity yep. if you've pl- got your first finger and your third finger doing the main notes within the power chord then you've got your pinky mm-hmm. to say say you're doing the the five on the e string then the seven on the um on the a and then you can put your pinky also on the seventh fret on the d string so mm-hmm. you can all of a sudden you've got those options to have that three stringed power chord and you can also move your pinky slide it further up to make alterations mm-hmm. to that power chord. Okay, now, good answer. Totally agree. Case in point, cunt three. Okay. Definitely, don't you reckon? The first riff of that. What dun, about dun, it? Dun, 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 dun. It's like oh, you right. need your pinky for that. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, yeah. if we're talking about a song that people would actually know that are listening, if we <sighs> look towards Through the Rage of the Storm of Triumph and Beyond. The very last riff in that song that um, there's that acoustic bit that builds into the big um, head banging sort of yes riff. Yeah. I'd play a lot of those chords where I'll, it'll be the power chord, but in that instance, I'll actually use my first and second finger to play the power chord. So That's I'm stretching right. the shit out of my second finger, and then the pinky is so say you're going seven on the E string, you mm-hmm. you're going nine on the nine. A string. That's with your first two fingers. Then you're going mm-hmm. 12 on the next string with your pinky. Yeah. And you're moving that up to 13, 12, 10 and back. So you've got your, your 7 and 9 doing the, 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 the bass notes and you've got your pinky playing the lead of that riff. If that makes sense. Interesting. Now, that's rhythm playing. So when you're doing scales, are you incorporating in your speed playing... Are you incorporating the pinky when you're, I guess you're, let's say you're running in a linear fashion from bottom up to top and back down again. Are you incorporating the pinky? I'm not really p- picking on the pinky here. I just mean all the, the pinky toe, all the fingers. Poor little pinkers. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do use all my fingers. Yeah. So that's not an area that I'm worried about as such. My main area of uh, improvement is actually in my right strumming hand. Mm. I believe. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know what else to say in that. And, and in terms of rhythm guitar, being a big fan of Slaughter of the Soul by At the Gates, which probably taught me most of my metal guitaring style. Mm-hmm. That to me is like rhythm with lead built into it, which is my style of playing. Yeah, and that's something that blows me away. Mm. So, but then when it, I mean, obviously, maybe one in two songs of ours will have an actual guitar solo. Mm. Um, that's where I really need to improve on some of those because they're just a bit of a cop out. Some of them, to be honest. So you tend to have the same. I don't think you do, but you feel you tend to have the same like general approach to doing some soloing right is 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 part of your thing like running is it familiarity shapes or is it just getting using a scale just to give yourself an excuse to like get your right hand cranking just to give something to do while you focus on your right hand is that how you're using it pretty much i would say yes um but it's also, uh, I don't know. I, I just get to this point now where I'm not thinking about what I'm playing. It's just happening because it's just what I've been used to mm-hmm. over the last 10 years and I haven't learned anything new or learned different ways around the fretboard. Yeah. So just experimenting with different movements and going to different frets and I'm probably always using major scales mm-hmm. as well. So just trying to practice with some different areas of the fretboard and, and then I'll sort of once I'm comfortable with my speed, I'll try and probably work on some very minor sweeping skills that I also don't have. Interesting. Okay. Other question. What's, are you learning riffs and songs of other bands? And if so, what and why? Currently negative. Oh, apart from Mastodon, probably some Mastodon just for fun and shits and giggles and a bit of, um, the entire burn my eyes album by machine head (laughs) as always. But, um, yeah, nah. Is that shit important to you? Yeah. What? Or is it the same because you like learning other people's songs? Um, Probably not these days. And the less I do it, the more I enjoy writing new songs because I'm not influenced by other people's music. Okay. Um, But maybe say five years ago or whatever, or when, I don't know, before you're writing your own songs, I think it is important. And I've probably got a few albums where I've learnt the entire album through and spent a lot of time on it and when you're playing along to a CD or an album or whatever I think that's really good for all sorts of skills especially I guess keeping in time and just having the same feel as what's going on on the on the record um, you know playing along with it and then playing without it as well I'm talking uh, Rage Against the Machine <laughs> self-titled Tool Anima At The Gate Slaughter of the Soul Dissection Storm of the Lights Bane yeah, and stuff like that kicks your ass because you can't be... If you're just mucking around to yourself, um, you give yourself a little bit of um, leeway here and there. But if you're playing along to something, you're like, and it's it's a pre-recorded thing, if you, you feel like you're lagging behind if you get sloppy or something like that. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think that's a cool thing to do. But yeah, I don't, I don't focus on that stuff either um, with drums or guitar um, every now and again if I don't understand something I'm listening to I might try and work it out or get a tab or something like that but you know what I've been working on on guitar is um, just the major scale like you're saying you're getting away from it I am determined to just crack 
the it's like the fucking Da Vinci Code or something. <laughs> I'm just determined to completely crack it open, you know, in terms of, um, I guess, building chords on the major scale and then working that into like improv playing. And I know that's not very metal at all. Um, and it has its applications, sure. But it's more just like I got to a point where I've learnt so much stuff since the time I was a kid and then... I listen to some music and I just go like, that is so simple, but fuck that is interesting from any genre, any fucking genre in the world. And I listen to a lot of stuff outside metal that, that amazes me that it is so simple. And like you say, I, I stick to my own patterns, the same fucking things every time. And I think it's really noticeable and a lot of that is like intervallic in the sense that I'll da 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 or something. I'll always do that same fucking thing every time. And it's the same shape on the fingers. It's the same sound to your ears. And it's just pleasing and it's easy. And as long as it's not on the same frets, it's like, oh, cool. I've just come up with a new solo. It's like, no, you haven't. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've been fucking around with that because this is my other challenge is I know that the major scale we we talk about major often as being happy and minor as sad. Like that's mm. how people explain the sound of chords to you when you're a kid. Yep. But out of, they're all the same notes. So my goal is to make the major scale sound somber. <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking awesome goal. Yeah. I can't wait to hear you play next. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm going to try and make the minor scale sound happy. How about that? Yes. Or at least optimistic as opposed to melancholy. <laughs> that Honestly, that's where I'm going with it. And you don't know this because we don't usually talk this shit, but I've been doing this for 12 months now, more actually. And so I can... My whole fretboard has completely opened up. I don't think I've necessarily got good at shredding or anything, but my, my awareness of just where things are has grown. And I think some of that slipped into the album in places for better or worse. I don't know because I haven't like mastered it. But yeah, it's moving more towards that direction because um, yeah, I don't want to be one of these old motherfuckers who spent their whole life doing music, but then what they do isn't cool anymore and then they're just not a muso, you know? Yeah. Like I want to kind of have my skills be put to good use long after I'm done playing music yep. at home. So it is sad when you see situations like that where people just stop altogether. Yeah, yeah. And no matter like chops are chops and I've I've had chops come and go on on every instrument I've played. And um yeah, I don't care about chops. If I understand, I can get my chops back, but if I understand, I'll always understand. So my biggest thing, which I've started doing, is um, like my sight reading for my melodic sight reading isn't crash hot. I can fucking read rhythms off the page and play them on drums, but I can't do that properly on guitar unless it's Hot Cross Buns or Mary Had a Little Lamb. Um, yeah, so I've been working on doing things like you're saying, running scales, but saying the notes and reading them on the page and... Yeah, I'm trying to branch out cool. there. Mint. Mm. I like it. Let's uh, come back to that one 
next episode and get an update. Yeah. I need to go and eat some falafels. So, do you have an album of the week or any uh, Russian poetry that you've been listening to? I've been listening to lots of Alexander Pushkin poetry sung by opera singers this week. Um, among with all the usual podcasts, the um, the Mastering Show podcast um, had a pretty good episode this week just gone. Um, so, check that out as well for something less fancy. What about you? Haunted made me do it again. Fucking awesome. Uh, nah, I won't bring that up in front of you anymore because <laughs> you hate it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I was I spent a couple of days listening to the new Dark Tranquility album. New one? Toma, I think it's called. Interesting. Another new one. They're smashing them out almost as fast as Soilwork are these days. Mm. Any, quite any enjoying good it. Sounds pretty, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, the last few albums of theirs have sounded quite dark. They must be using a lot of major scales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it it sounds really cool I like the vibe Pretty good songs They don't have the riffs Like they used to mm. um, So if you're into The mind's eye And the gallery of theirs You can forget about it But um, but it, it, it is pretty good overall I do enjoy it um, And also A little bit of power metal As always these days um, The band that Jim got me into Called War Drum mm -hmm. Which came from Smitty As always Paulie Cottrell would know because he knows everything about whatever Smitty does. <laughs> uh, and their latest, latest album's called uh, Awakening. So I think they've been around for about five years from Greece or somewhere around there. Um, but that's really cool. Hmm. Uh, yeah, not fully wild power metal like, uh, I don't know, your Lost Horizons or anything too crazy, but just cool sort of melodic power metal with um, beautiful singing. Hmm. I do enjoy it. Um, that's probably about it and all those shitty ass Metallica video clips I was speaking of earlier yeah well I don't think I'm going to watch any of those or listen to any of those things but I did listen to the new Gojira <laughs> this week alright oh, why um, uh, just because my friend Aaron was talking about them heaps uh, okay cool we going out with a song or just with a pizza recipe I think we've already given those. Uh, are we still playing other band songs? Are we going to get arrested for that soon? Look, if someone says you're misappropriating our art, take it down, or pay us all the money you've earned, we'll say, here you go, here's zero bucks. What's yeah, your account details? Here's your bill. Yeah, yeah, here's your bill. <laughs> it's cost yeah, us cut, money, of, cut of our expenses. Uh, man, if we're up for some power metal, let's go with Wardrum, who I was just talking about, and their song, Let the Flames Grow. You can thank Jim and Smitty for that one if you're into it. Um, and we'll leave it at that and we'll keep these podcasts coming because there's lots of stuff to talk about. And uh, I just like the chance to hang out with Ash mostly. If you do, do go to the show notes of this episode, there will be links to Amazon if you want to buy your loved ones a Christmas present. And if you do like our website, you should get that from bandzoogle.com, which I'll also put a link to in the show notes. And you can get your own website with a 30-day free trial. And if you happen to enjoy it and sign up, we'll uh, get a month free or some shit like that. I don't know. But that's all. We'll be back again super soon. And we will have some details on the new album before you know it. Me and Ash will probably be writing new songs before you know it too and we'll be talking about heaps more boring shit so make sure you tune in. Tasting times amidst the summer
Keep your 